It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and we are broadcasting live today in Dallas, Texas on the campus of Southern Methodist University in front of a live studio audience. Yes, sir. The Mustangs. Thanks for having us down here. Uh, Beautiful weather, as always, down in uh, Dallas, Texas. And we welcome our first guest, uh, George Utkoff. Hi, George. What's up? What's up? How are you? Doing well. Where are you from? Memphis, Tennessee. I was going to say, I don't know if that's a Dallas, Texas accent I remember from when I was here before. What's up? What's up? (laughs) George is the vice president of the IFC here on campus at Southern Methodist, SMU. And uh, I learned earlier about um, some community service you guys are doing. Um, Tell us about uh, what you do with Meals on Wheels. Tell us about anything you can, uh, even beyond Meals on Wheels. What do you guys do in the community here in Dallas? Well, yesterday we went to three different locations, Goodwill, Meals on Wheels, and North Texas Food Bank, and we were just giving back to the community that's done a lot for us. You went to all those places in one day? Mm -hmm. We split this group of... uh, Fraternity men up into, uh, obviously, three groups and went out to each side, packed some meals, helped Goodwill, clean out much of their distribution center, and then North, Tex- North Texas Food Bank, we packed boxes. Now, when some of these guys learn that they have to do this, I'm sure there's some resistance, um, but I bet after the event is over, I bet they feel pretty good about themselves. Oh, yeah. You can look at their faces. They feel great. Okay, so then what's the <laughs> – they do feel great. What, what's next? What's the next event as far as uh, community service for, for you guys, the fraternities here at SMU? Uh, well, we're not sure. We do this event every year, and then during the semester, a lot of the individual fraternities have their own philanthropy events. So what on campus here, uh, what's the one, I guess, that comes to mind uh, as far as interesting, entertaining? You know, I know a lot of college kids go to great lengths to build apparatuses to raise money for charity. Is there a fraternity on campus that builds some crazy thing in their front yard and they do it for three days straight, 24 hours in a row to raise five grand for, uh, you know, for cancer awareness or anything? Relay for Life. It's an uh, all-night event where you run up and down our boulevard, and each lap you're raising money for cancer awareness. Oh, and does the whole campus the entire, do that? entire campus is involved. Oh, and that's all night? Like, 20, mm-hmm. like from midnight to noon or what? Yeah, something like that. How far does it end up being? Uh, however far you want it to be. Oh, mm-hmm. all right. Well, that is fantastic to hear. We appreciate uh, all of your hard work and diligence with uh, community service. Uh, Thank you, George, for joining us on the broadcast, and we want to thank you again. That's your uh, community service, public service announcement with the gentlemen of Southern Methodist University. Get to know Adam at AdamRitz.com. Get to know the radio show at AdamRitzShow.com. We are in Tampa, Florida with Coach Tony Dungy. Hi, Coach. Hey, Adam. How are you? I didn't know if I should call you Coach, but your website is actually CoachDungy.com. Yeah, a lot of people still do call me Coach, uh, but um, it's... 
a second career for me now, um, broadcasting and really working with young people is, is what I'm doing. So I guess uh, still a coach in a way. You'll always be coaching. Um, I wanted to ask you about, real quick first, the NBC Sunday Night Football in America. Congratulations, the number one show in, in the world as far as ratings go. Yeah, we're excited to be the, the number one show last year on primetime. Uh, we have a good time. We've got a great product. Uh, our pregame show leads into the, the Sunday Night Show. Uh, so it's been, been a great great platform for me and something I enjoy and it gives me the weekdays off uh, to do other things. It looks like you really um, enjoy Dan Patrick. I know you go on his radio show a lot. Um, is, can the same be said for for Rodney Harrison? <laughs> we do. We have a lot of fun on the show. Dan is kind of our mentor. Rodney and I started together four years ago, really didn't know anything about broadcasting. And Dan kind of helped us through the process. Uh, but we have fun, even though it's Colts against the Patriots oh, quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. I, keep, I always wonder, you know, I wonder if that old Colt and uh, Tony uh, and the old Patriot and Rodney, wanna, yeah. you guys want to go out, fight a little bit during the commercial break. Um, it was Sunday Night Football in America, and your son playing college football on the other side of the country in Oregon, did when he went to Oregon, did he know that you were going to be on TV in New York City on Sunday night? No, I don't think we knew any of that. Uh, he picked out the place he wanted to go. It was a long ways away from Tampa for us. But uh, what it has uh, forced us to do now is Friday nights, we, you know, we fly to Eugene from Tampa all the way across country, watch the game. Saturday night, I take the red eye into New York. So it makes for two long trips every, every weekend. But uh, for your family, it's worth it. It's worth it. And then you usually sometimes go on Dan Patrick in the morning on Monday yeah. morning. And then when when and how do you finally get back into your own bed after that long weekend? Well, then I take a noon flight uh, home and end up uh, at Tampa about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, I have from 3, 3 o'clock Monday afternoon until Friday afternoon to kind of do family things. And then on camera with Sunday Night Football in America, you said that it was one of your first broadcast jobs and you're learning the broadcast ropes. But as far as football goes, you've got all that down. Do you go in and do your homework? Is that all your own opinions? Or do you sit down with a team and you come up with stuff before the show? Is no. that all, Tony? No, it is our opinions. Uh, we, we have meetings and we talk about the storyline. Tuesday, we'll kind of review last week's show, uh, figure out what we did right and what we did wrong. And then we start looking ahead um, to, to the next week. Uh, so we have we have game plan meetings, but then uh, you know we, we watch all the games on Sunday, and then uh, Dan will say, well, what do you think about this team, and, and who's hot, who's doing well, and it, it's really just us analyzing at that point. Our guest is Tony Dungy. Uh, I I don't know how many hats you wear. We just talked about one of them on national TV on the number one rated show in America. Uh, you are also the national spokesperson for All Pro Dad. Can you tell us a little bit about All Pro Dad? All Pro Dad is a program actually started in 1997, and we were trying to figure out ways that we could uh, hook men into uh, fatherhood and, and hook it up with, with football. We know so many men enjoy football and, and how we could combine that and get get young men especially to think more about their responsibility and their role as the head of the household. And it's been a good growing project. It's, it's grown over the last 15 years. We're now in 48 states. Uh, we have uh, kind of what you would call huddle groups where dads go to schools uh, in, in the morning eat breakfast with their kids, and, and spend some time with them one day a month. And uh, that's in about 1,500 chapters around the country, and we're, we're really excited about the growth.
It's it's pretty. I've been to a few of the um, events, the All Pro Dad Father and Kid experiences, both with uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Indianapolis Colts, and it's really cool to see all the dads and all their kids, all the all the home team Colts and Steelers that are at the facility signing autographs, and more importantly than signing autographs, they're getting involved with these children. They're really setting a good example. They are, and it started here in Tampa. Um, we. we thought it'd be a good way to kick things off. Uh, we invited dads to bring, bring your kids out to practice, spend a day with the Buccaneers, but more importantly, spend a day with your kids. Uh, we thought we'd get uh, three or 400 people out. We ended up with uh, o- over 3,000. And we said that we might be onto something here, combining football and dads and kids, and uh, it's grown ever since. CoachDungy.com. Tony, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. You have yourself a great year. Oh, thank you, Adam. Good to be with you. Get socially technical with The Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social, technically. We're in Big D at the Dallas Cowboys football complex with Cowboy legend Calvin Hill. Hi, Calvin. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. Thank you for you know coming to Dallas and sharing with our team. Well, Calvin, uh, you might remember as a running back uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. What is your role with the team now? I am a consultant um, in the area of player development, um, and I've been doing that for about 12, 13 years. Um, and it's been an interesting, you know, journey mm-hmm. f- for me. And, and player development, the quick 10-second explanation uh, for, you know, a lot of fans at home uh, aren't familiar with that term. It's even almost a new concept um, uh, in the last 10 years with, with college football uh, and the pros have really come up with this term. How, what do you do with, with the team, with player well, development? What we try to do is, I mean, you know, the way things are today, you know, fame is – Fame used to, the term used to be fame as a microscope. Now fame is an electron microscope. Uh, there's an English proverb, you know, pray that a person does not enjoy success before they can endure success. And uh, unfortunately, you know, you take a kid who, 21, 22, 23, you give him a lot of money and a lot of exposure, and you know, you expect him to handle himself like he's Roger Staubach. And uh, sometimes it's very, very difficult. And what we try to do is provide. Uh, our players with the tools uh, to handle uh, being a Dallas Cowboy, uh, how to act responsibly, uh, how to to represent themselves, their families, and and the Cowboys in, in, in the best possible manner, and just how to handle things. Uh, you know, it's 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 a uh, it's a different world, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they have to be very very circumspect. Uh, you know, I, I I use that English proverb about endurance. Uh, endurance typically comes over time. I mean, you develop endurance over time. Um, but these guys get success right away. And, uh, you know, normally people would, you know, would enjoy the kind of success monetarily, et cetera, after 15 years. These, they get it right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we have to try to, you know, to, to make sure that they don't make a lot of bad mistakes. Now, i got to believe, uh, in addition to that knowledge you have to share with these young men, that you've got a lot to say about uh, being a running back in the National Football League. Do you work with the, the players at all, the running back coaches? Do they look for you for any advice? Does that offend you that they don't? Well, no. I mean, we, we, you know, it's, it's interesting. I've always felt that you know, one of the things you cannot do is get between that the relationship between a player and his coach is a sacred sort of a relationship and so you know i will say very nebulous things about running but i'll never uh you know they have coaches who do that and i don't want to get between them and their coaches and, and between the player and the coach um i may see things but i won't you know i mean i'll share it with the coach before i share it with the player 
Now with Dallas Cowboys Stadium, the uh, fairly new facility, billion dollar building, uh, a lot of people know about the video monitors um, and about the fan, how e the easy access for the fans to uh, be near the players when they come on the field. What are some of the things about the stadium that you like that maybe aren't so well known to the public? Well, I, I think they're, you know, I mean, it's, it's a remarkable stadium. Um, you know, I, I am an art collector. And, you know, the, the Jones family has, uh, has, you know, there is a, a collection of world-famous artists throughout the stadium. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's fabulous in that sense. Uh, of course, you know, the video board. Uh, I mean, you get to see, uh, you know, three or four different angles on a replay. Is, is there ever like movie night for the Dallas Cowboy family where you guys get a uh, Animal House or an old classic movie and you show it on that the biggest screen there in the middle of the stadium? Not really. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, but it, it's, 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 I don't know if you've been there. It's, it's really, it's a wonder of the world. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you, you look at things like the bathrooms, uh, you know, the concourses. I mean, everything is just perfect about this stadium. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the kind of place that when I leave it, and I've been there for the last two years going to games, but I never, it, I never cease, it never ceases to amaze me. And I always look back and say, I can't believe this thing. It's, it's unbelievable. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a place that these guys ought to, you know, be proud of playing at. Um, I can remember when we moved to Texas Stadium uh, in 1971, and that was the flagship of the fleet. And, you know, we as teammates felt like we were privileged to represent the Cowboys in that stadium. And I think that's the way these guys feel about the Cowboys stadium. Well, not only a great professional athlete himself, Calvin Hill, but a proud father of Grant Hill, uh, NBA legend and star. Uh, what advice did you have for Grant when he left college and was drafted into the NBA? Well, um, always listen to your father. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's funny. I, I think... Uh, you know, obviously, you know, he, you know, he was moving to, to young adulthood. Uh, but, you know, the kinds of people that we used as mentors or as, as examples in terms of professional athletes, you know, guys like Paul Warfield, um, you know, Gerald Irons, who played you know, in Cleveland with me, uh, Roger Staubach. Uh, you know, Grant had the benefit of playing under, you know, one of the, you know, great X's and O's coaches, but also a guy who really personified the right values and, and Coach Mike Krzyzewski. So he was pretty, you know, he was in pretty, he, he kind of knew what to do. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, it's still tough, you know, when you start to look at the fame and fortune. Uh, but, you know, he knew the call home and we talked about things. What's your favorite uh, memory of Grant as a, as a little boy? Just being a normal kid. My favorite memory, I think, well, I mean, I have so many memories, but he learned how to walk when I was in training camp. And I remember coming back to Dallas, and his mom and, and, and he came out to pick me up. And uh, when he saw me, he started walking towards me. So, you know, I mean, when I left to go to training camp, he was crawling. And all of a sudden, he was walking. And that was a big, big, big thrill. Um, but, you know, you, as a father, uh, I tell people, you know, I mean, it's, it's the hardest job you'll ever love. But, you know, if you're really emotionally invested in, 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 your, in your child, uh, you're going to have so many moments, so many thrills watching them uh, achieve. You know, I mean, watching them realize that you're no longer holding the bicycle. They're, they're riding the bicycle themselves uh, when they come home from school, you know, trying to tell you about their first day in school. 
and it goes on and on and on. So it's 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 you know being a father is a is a is a real joy for me. And then finally, I uh, just have to ask you about your favorite Dallas Cowboy memory uh, as a player on the field. I think my favorite memory uh, was the you know the, the countdown at Tulane Stadium when they started you know the crowd started you know counting down the final seconds before we we won our first Super Bowl. And you know, I mean, I've, I've always said that you know the countdown is almost better than the moment. You know, when it, when it's over. I uh -huh. mean, because you you suddenly realize you know all the things that you worked for are going to come true. And you know, I've always felt that the countdown is just really an exhilarating moment when it, when it just sort of dawns on you, this is it, we've won. Uh, and, you know, for one brief shining moment, we're the champions. You can catch up with The Adam Ritz Show online. Podcasts of recent shows, including this one, can be found at adamritzshow.com. Like us on Facebook at Facebook slash Adam Ritz Show. Or follow at Adam Ritz on Twitter. Welcome back to the show. I'm Adam Ritz, and we're on the campus of the University of Georgia in Athens, Georgia, with Dave Van Hallinger. Hi, Dave. How are you? Hey, Adam. Good to see you. Now, you've got uh, decades under your belt within college athletics. Uh, what have you done, and what do you do here on campus at the University of Georgia? Well, I'll start what I uh, did. I started at West Virginia back in 1976 as a strength and conditioning coach, first strength coach at West Virginia, and uh, Really enjoyed it. In 1983, I got to go to Florida State, and I was under Bobby Biden for uh, until 2000. Won two national championships, 11 conference championships, and uh, went uh, just had a great run. Was finished uh, top four 14 years in a row. Came to Georgia with Mark Richt in 2001, and the same thing happened here. We just started winning games. Our second year, we were 13 win and, wins and win the SEC conference championship for the first time in 20 years. So very fortunate, and now I'm the director of student welfare. So that's what I'm doing now, helping kids reach their potential, becoming the best that they can be. Now that's a fantastic uh, thing to help these student athletes with, uh, within an athletic department on a college campus, especially the college campuses you've seen, West Virginia, Florida State, now Georgia, big-time Division I colleges have big-time, very elite um, Division I athletes with special skill sets. They're so quick, they're so fast, they're so strong, but none of that matters off the court or off the field, and that's some of the stuff you work with with uh, student services. That's right. You know, it was fortunate that I was a strength coach for them, and the one thing about kids when you're working with them, no matter if you're high level athletically or just high school guys, whatever, you have to earn trust. You have to have something to give them also. You have to have a communication skill that you're able to look at them and talk to them, and they trust you. They trust what you're saying, and you have to find that place where you can get into their lives, and they let you in, and they're able to share back with you the things that they're struggling with so you know how to help them because if they don't share back with you what they're struggling with you're just talking to an empty box you know mm -hmm. and that's one thing that's been fortunate with me I have a way to encourage kids get them to talk and then find a way to help them our guest is Dave Van Hallinger at the University of Georgia, Director of Student Services. Um, maybe names or no names. Uh, what are the, some of the success stories uh, within this department and your student athletes? Maybe a guy that came in or a female student athlete that came in, shy, reserved, uh, didn't want to be a part of maybe a service, community service project that has now, three, four years later during their senior year, just blossomed, and they are very involved with the community. Yeah, we got a bunch of success stories. You know, one of the guys, Jarvis Jones, you know, he transferred here from uh, Southern Cal. 
And he came in and didn't know a whole lot about Georgia, and we just kind of took him in. We had uh, John Eason, myself. We got him with a mentor. He he would he loves doing community service, and he just became a part of the community. People love him, and you know he was a first team All American last year. You know we were very wow. fortunate that he transferred. You know one of the guys I got to work with at Florida State was Deion Sanders, which was a great thing. You know when Deion before he was prime time, he was a shy kid. They yeah. got in a fight with one of our fullbacks and wanted to leave school. Well, he's up in my my office. I talked him out of it, and thankfully we did because we won a bunch of games at Florida State with Dion. <laughs> that is the coolest story I've ever heard. You're the reason Dion is where he is today. There's a big. If you ask him, he says, "Well, I love the big fella. He's really <laughs> taking care of me." Real quick, you mentioned big fella. What, you're six six at least. Did you play college sports? Yeah, I was an all honorable mention All American at West Virginia. Then I played with the Atlanta Falcons. Fantastic. All right. Well, tell us about your days, real quick, with the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, they were quick, just real quick. That's what they were. <laughs> but I was on the team for a while. You know, I got hurt, and then I came back and started coaching right away at uh, West Virginia. That is great. Our guest is Dave Van Hallinger with the athletic department at the University of Georgia, student services with the football team. And we deal a lot on this radio program with community service. Uh, how difficult is it to do community service within the 12 weeks of the football season? Is there any, or do you wait till off season to do that kind of stuff? No, we're doing, we're doing one tomorrow. We're going to no folks home with about five guys to go over there and have lunch with them and kind of cheer them up sing a little songs. We've got a couple songs we're going to sing, and then we're going to uh, eat lunch with them and just talk to all the people there. So, you know, we do it, and it's Friday afternoons when they're not real busy, mm-hmm. and uh, most of the time when we do them. And that's uh, five guys at a nursing home. What's the biggest scale, I guess, as far as community service? Do you get all 120 guys somewhere and do something big? We do a golf tournament for cancer. Uh, breast cancer, and we do that in the summer, and we'll have over 60 guys that'll golf at the beautiful country club, Georgia Country Club. So they love doing that. We get on to Camp Sunshine, which is a cancer uh, camp for kids, and we'll take about 30, 35 kids to those. We'll do that three times in the summer. So we'll get 90 kids there during the summer. That's great. All right. Georgia Bulldogs, not just about football. It's not about football. You know, we, we love it. And that's what we, you know, we thrive and it, it, it wets our whistle. But the big thing is taking the influence that we have, taking it out in the community and helping people. Dave, thank you so much for joining us and best of luck uh, the rest of the season. Thank you very much, Adam. Hey, this is Paul Lancaster, Director of Player Engagement for the Buffalo Bills. And you're listening to the Adam Ritz Show. We're blessed to be joined by Dean of Students at Waldorf College. This is Jason Raymaker. Hi, Jason. Hi, how you doing? I'm fantastic, and uh, this is middle America, man. You can't get any down to, I guess, in, in God's country or the salt of the earth is Waldorf <laughs> College. Where are we? Paradise City, Iowa? We're pretty close, man. We're in North Iowa, near the Minnesota border. Uh, Forest City, Iowa, about 4,000 student, or 4,000 population, about 500 students here at Waldorf. 500 students on campus at Waldorf College. That is awesome. That is, I mean, I don't even know what the average size of a high school is in America, but it might be bigger than this college. That's the way we want it. We want it small. We take care of our students. Our students have a great relationship with staff and each other, and uh, we like to keep it small, and it's just a, it's a good overall experience for them. Well, as Dean of Students here at Waldorf, uh, some of the initiatives you have in place for freshmen, uh, this is the time of year when people are coming back to campus, uh, starting their college careers, and it's a very high risk, I guess, time of their lives to leave mom and dad's house to start living on their own. What are some of the initiatives you have in place to hopefully inform and educate these young adults on, on what they're about to uh, enter? 
Well, you're absolutely right. These 18-year-olds are coming to a whole new world, uh, new teammates, new place to live, new place to eat, uh, new roommates. You know, this is the first time a lot of them have been away from home, and a lot of them are not from Iowa, not from Minnesota. They're from all over the country. So they're not only going through a cultural shock, but uh, they're also going through this exciting new experience of going to college for the first time, making decisions for themselves for the first time. No mom and dad here, no curfew. So we talk a lot about social decision making in, in first year orientation that we have going on here uh, right after they arrive. Our students that just got here today have, uh, have two days of orientation and we'll talk a little bit about uh, the effects of alcohol, the risks. We'll talk about sexual assault, making good choices with uh, uh, sex. Uh, making good choices with drugs and, and overall general social decision making. We hear in the media a lot about um, those issues with mm -hmm. large campuses. We're talking uh, Division <clears throat> One, um, BCS type campuses, 50,000 students. There's a lot of social issues and, and a lot of bad decisions made on a Saturday night. Um, but I've got to believe those, those things still happen on a campus this small. 500 students is such a small campus compared to 50,000 at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. But there's, uh, there's got to be, uh, I guess, some, some good and bad that goes along with being that small. It's probably uh, more of a family unit, but still you've got to watch out for those uh, bad decisions. Yeah, those decisions uh, do still happen here. And uh, what's interesting is they, they make the paper and they make the campus newspaper and, and people know everyone. So when that decision is good that a student makes, everybody knows. When that decision is bad that a student makes, everybody knows. So uh, it kind of is good and bad together. So we, we talk a lot about that with our students. Is hey, you know, you're, you're in a small town of 4,000, you're in a small campus of 500. Every decision you make is kind of in a fishbowl here. You know, it's a much, uh, much different situation where you, you can't really hide out from those decisions. So uh, it can make or break your, your college experience at, at a small college like us because uh, once that decision's out there, and it may be a bad one, uh, it creates some real uncomfortable situations for a student. Our guest is Jason Raymaker, the Dean of Students at Waldorf College in Forest City, Iowa. And we've been talking about freshmen and their responsibility level, learning about a new life in college and uh, social awareness with social issues and drinking and drugs and sex. How, uh, if we could turn the focus from freshmen to faculty, is there, are there initiatives or any education in place for actual faculty, professors, administrators on the same type of information? Don't date a student. Don't d get a DUI. You will be fired. Absolutely. <laughs> and those things are not immune to colleges, for sure. Yeah. Uh, we take faculty that are hired through a faculty orientation. Uh, they go through sexual harassment training. They go through uh, something that we call boundaries training that covers a lot of those issues. It might be dating. It might be drinking. You might be a faculty member that... Uh, rents out property in town and maybe that property is being rented to a student or you might be a faculty member that has rental property in the same unit that you're in currently. So that creates all kinds of interesting interrelationships in the small town on the small campus. You might go out to eat, go have a drink at a local establishment and sure enough there, there are students there at the same time. So uh, it's, it's unique to us because you're going to run into your colleagues, your 
your your students that you supervise or students that you coach, if if you're a coach here or uh, if, if you're faculty students that you you teach. So we want a close relationship. We want uh, some exciting uh, things that happen between advisors, between coaches. But we certainly have to warn our employees about about boundaries with with, with students because those uh, those boundaries can be crossed, and it's especially vulnerable here when you have a small number of students and you really get to know them uh, on a close basis. All right, Jason Raymaker, Dean of Students, Waldorf College. It's waldorf.edu for more information. And, you know, I'd like to, uh, I guess, talk about um, recruiting or admissions. Uh, What's the single best thing about this campus? Let's uh, let's get your admissions from 500 total (laughs) students now to 50,000 next year. What's well, the best part about this campus? Well, first of all, we're small, and we like that. We <laughs> want to stay that. So I might argue the 50,000, but um, we take care of our students, and our, our students get to know their faculty members, and we have a great uh, student-to-faculty ratio in the classroom. Uh, it's 15 to 1. Uh, they have a great opportunity to get involved here at Waldorf, and that's probably the second biggest thing, is 85% of our students are involved in co-curriculars, something that complements their academic experience, whether that be band, choir, theater, clubs and organizations, uh, all the different 18 sports that we have. So not only do they get an education, they're not just getting that or striving for that 4.0, they're, they're getting an experience that comes with that. So when they have that first okay. interview and, and uh, on their resume, they're able to talk about the service that they've done, uh, maybe the mission work, the, the experience they've had in campus ministry, uh, the leadership opportunities they've had in clubs and organizations, or maybe a, a trip that they took internationally. So it's, it's not just a degree, it's not just the education, it's the experience they have at Waldorf. And then finally, I'm not going to let you go without a, a fun question. As Dean of Students, what is your favorite line from Dean Wormer in Animal House? Oh... Son, drunken, stupid's no way to go through life. <laughs> I think that would probably sum it up. You know, maybe that's not a bad idea. Maybe some of those movies uh, students need to see, Revenge of the Nerds, and those classic college uh, flicks that, uh, that show some of the poor decisions that students yeah. make. It's funny. Just laugh fun, Laugh man. now, but just don't do anything they did in the movie. Absolutely, for sure. That's Dean of Students, Jason Raymaker from Waldorf College. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.